fireworks are expensive and it's every night yeah. between the hours of 8 p.m. and 4 a.m. and it's fireworks right. in the exact same neighborhoods every single day. Okay, welcome back to another episode of Songwriting Saves the World. And today we have a really special guest, Tiger Darrow. Thank you for coming. Thank We're you for super being excited. Here. Thanks for having me. We'll start with like a little introduction. Tiger Darrow is an award-winning singer-songwriter multi-instrumentalist and producer her most recent song fuck my horoscope was released in may and we talked we've talked about this song multiple times on the podcast already we literally love it we love that thanks guys and um tiger has been featured in a lot of artist music a few of which being duran jones in the indications pool cosby and wakey wakey and she's also opened for eddie brickell and the bohemians the eagles and erica badu yeah. Super cool. So Thanks. wow. <laughs> what a resume. <laughs> Thanks, <laughs> we have a little like icebreaker introduction game. Cool. And it's called Right Tour Tank. And mm-hmm. it's our it's basically like the musical version of F Mary Kill. So you yep. can write with an artist, tour with them, and touring is strictly touring. And then one that <laughs> you have to touring. tank. And what's water the, tank. What's the third one? So oh tank. So think of like a water tank at a festival game at where carnival, you throw the bomb yeah. ball in. Oh, that makes yep. me sad. Oh, wait. Does it have to be, like, all artists I like or, like, the one that I don't, like, I list one that I don't like and they'd be the one. So oh, we have we give three. Them to you. Yeah. Oh, you give and them you to, to me. pick from okay. these three. Perfect. So we have Victoria Monet, Alina <laughs> okay. Baraz, okay. and SZA. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Okay. It would be much harder if you had to list them yourself. I was just thinking about that. Like, we hadn't considered that one, but then you'd have to come up with someone you wanted to take. I had that <laughs> trick pulled on me for for um, an interview where they said, "What? who are your three favorite artists? And I listed my three, and they're like, great, fuck, Mary kill. And I was like, no. <laughs> what a plot twist. Um, who, was, who was your first That's artist funny. again? Um, the f- first one was Victoria Monet. Okay, Victoria Monet. Um, Baraz is a... I would write with Alina Baraz. Mm-hmm. Love her new record. Um, I would tour with SZA because I think that would be wild. Yeah. And I'm so sorry, Victoria. <laughs> Has to go. <laughs> she's good. She's, Decisive. She'll dry off, you know. <laughs> you won the game. Yay. <laughs> so can you start with just like a background of your musical journey and what brought you to where you are now? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um. Okay. Uh, I kind of went in and out of music for my childhood. Um, mm-hmm. I started playing violin when I was two, and then um, my mom two. was kind of like, "Yeah," <laughs> and my mom was kind of like, little. "Let's also try piano, maybe." And I was like, "No, I don't like piano." So I stuck with violin, and then <laughs> I said to my mom, "Okay, now I want to play cello," and she went, "You are very small." Um, mm. I'm not buying you a cello. That's so expensive for somebody who's just right. going to have crazy growth spurts. Um, so I, I stopped playing violin. I forget how old I was, but when I, when I quit violin, I switched to acting. Um, oh, cool. Yeah. And I, I acted for, from like, like the age of seven to, I would say, through high school I was kind of going back mm. and forth for like I, I lived in Dallas I was driving to Austin for movies and stuff it's a whole thing mm-hmm. um but Whoa. so this was like a real like you were really acting oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. my mom is okay a, she's a Juilliard trained actress she like oh no oh, way that's so cool yeah, yeah I was yeah, like yeah. I did 
community theater but like (laughs) (laughs) I was so bad at theater which is kind of hilarious because I feel like theater helps you way more as like a performing artist Mm -hmm. than like film acting which is what Mm -hmm. I did and like film acting is very like show me less I want to see less on your face (laughs) I'm like so all I see on screen is one eyeball give me 13 emotions in that one eyeball and you're like "Uh, uh, uh, okay so so I think theater would have been way more helpful for me um, Mm -hmm. but I didn't do very much of it Um, and then I guess I started writing songs I I don't know I would goof around as a child does and would Mm -hmm. just like sing songs around the house or whatever but I think I actually started sitting down to write real songs when I was like 13 Mm -hmm. and it was just like me with a crummy like microphone that you get at Office Depot for your office (laughs) job when you have phone conferences like that was the microphone (laughs) I had and I would sit there making these like terrible demos uh on that and then I I guess I I did songwriting all through high school, released two or three albums while I was in high school. Whoa, wow. what? And then, yeah, girl, I didn't have friends. I, two like, or three albums? I Man, I had a lot to say, <laughs> and I was not invited to parties in high school, like, because I, I was a goody two-shoes, and, like, okay. high school is when everybody, like, experiments, I feel like, and <laughs> right. so, like... People would start to invite me to parties and then they'd remember that there were like drugs or alcohol and they'd be like, "Mm, she's not cool. She's going to tell her parents on us. So, yeah. So like I would end up just spending every night in my bedroom recording by myself. That's sick, though. And definitely like a better use off. of time. Yeah, I mean, it was it was great. Like I released, I, I forget how many. Like one of the albums I put out was a stupid number of songs, and they didn't all need to be on there. And I had like a review in one of the newspapers in Dallas be like, "She's wordy, and this album is exhausting." And I was like, "Oh my god, girl, what? I am." <laughs> yeah, I know. I was like, "I am fourteen my friend and I recorded this by myself like I'd upgrade yeah. some of my gear what but like going on in Dallas I know yeah, right they're, Jesus. they're so rude um but then I think it was also because that album followed an album that I put out with an actual producer it was like my first okay. time in a real studio and um they really made me sound like Taylor Swift hmm. and I hated it and like <laughs> The songs were cool and the experience was awesome, but the like mm-hmm. overall end product, I was like, "Brah, I want to be like a female Bono, and you made me like Taylor Swift, and right, that's right, upsetting to me." Now, Different disclaimer: vibe. I no longer want to be a female Bono. I find Bono to be a bit annoying. Sorry, <laughs> um, <laughs> love your work in the activism world, but like, eh. um, <laughs> still haven't forgiven you two for um, putting their album in people's itunes without asking first uh but yeah so i because of that experience i wanted to put out something that felt more representative of what i wanted to say so i followed Mm -hmm. it up with this like 15 song album that everybody was like you need to calm down You know, a girl has a story, okay? You know, she has to tell it. Yeah, she's, <laughs> got, she's got stuff to say. She really does. That's awesome. Wow. For real. Thanks. I've been busy. <laughs> right? God. So, you're a classically trained cellist? Yes. Yeah. Yes. So, how did you make that transition from being like a classically trained cellist into the alt pop music that you make now? 
Um, I kind of, my deal with my mom was that she would let me, let me, she, she would feel comfortable <laughs> with me working on pop music if I first mastered an instrument or at least uh-huh. like had yeah. a classical understanding of an instrument. Um, so I, the end goal was always to work in pop music. Um, mm-hmm. I was also really interested in film scoring. So that was, yeah, that was part of what drove me to, to stick with cello for Mm -hmm. as long as I have is because like that, that knowledge of string arranging and of like the ability to be able to play a stringed instrument, something that's associated with something that's more cinematic or emotional, Mm -hmm. um, that that was important to me to keep in my back pocket because it's something that even though I don't do it regularly, I really love it. Um, so that, that's, that's kind of, I mean, to this day, I still write my songs as if I'm writing a string arrangement where I write one melody line and then something that works with the melody line. And like, I rarely sit at a keyboard and actually play chords or anything anymore. So that's super interesting. So So it it really has like affected how you write. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. Do you think that your mom wanting you to master an instrument first was some of that Juilliard popping through that you were mentioning? Probably. I think it was I think it was a combination of that and I'm sure she'll listen to this and correct me. But um I, I think it was a combination of that and like the pressure of me going to an arts high school and mm. seeing all of the other parents being like, Well, my kid's gonna play in an orchestra, so they have to complete their three hours right. of practice every night and yada mm-hmm. yada yada. So I, I think I think to a certain extent it was that she truly did want me to be proficient on an instrument and more than proficient. But like she also felt like, you know, there isn't a pop like pop songwriting program at her high school. She needs to at least be good mm-hmm. at the thing that she's majoring in or whatever. So yeah. I, I think that was it. That makes sense. Yeah, definitely. So you grew up in Austin, which you mentioned. What was your like musical experience like? You said you had a producer for one of your albums in high school. What was like the the music scene like in Austin versus when you moved to New York for college? Um, Well, so I went to high school in Dallas. I grew up in Austin, but went to high school in Dallas. And um, when I was in Austin, I spent a lot more time working on on film things. Mm. So it wasn't until... High, high school that I actually dove in deep on on music and mm-hmm. um so it was kind of interesting though transitioning from from Dallas especially like had it been Austin to New York it would have been like I feel like it would have been right a little more seamless just mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. I, I, the music community in Austin is gigantic mm-hmm. the music community in Dallas is also pretty big but it's not the focus Mm-hmm. Um, so y- it's really easy to become a big fish in a small pond. Like if you're yeah, consistent, persistent, you are great at networking and you can grow and, and all of that good stuff. It's mm-hmm. so easy to, to feel <laughs> like you're like, th- like people know your name. Mm-hmm. And so I got to New York and I was like, mm-hmm. the bitter end emailed me and wanted right. me to play. And it's like, nah, girl, you were on a mailing list. Like, just relax. <laughs> Mm. I mean, and so the first day was really magical and wonderful. And then when mm. I realized like, oh, my God, it's like 12 <laughs> times as big here, that that scared the crap out of me. It was yeah. it was weird to adjust. I feel like you've done pretty well. I feel like you yeah, it seems like it. it's, it's taken like nine well. years. Like, 
Yeah. It, it takes a while to to figure out, like, I mean, if you're not already moving as, like, a, a huge name person or whatever, like, it takes a minute right. to, to find out your circle and, you know, how how you fit into what other people are looking for. So, I don't know. It's... I, mm-hmm. I feel like I've still got a long ways to go. Do you feel like going to school, you went to NYU for songwriting, right? Mm-hmm. So do you feel like being in that community helped or hindered like your adjusting? Did you feel like, oh, there's musicians all around. I feel even smaller. Or did you feel like, oh, these are all these like instant connections for me? I think it helped so much. Um, yeah. Mostly because we were all on similar levels, too. Like, we were all mm-hmm. pretty new to the to the area, and we were figuring it out together. And a lot of the people that I went to school with are, you know, still my closest friends, but, like, I've, I've branched out from that. Mm-hmm. And what's mm-hmm. exciting about that is then, like, I can introduce them to the other people I meet and vice versa. So yeah. I think... I think that was a really excellent kickstart into like a more seamless transition than had I just moved up and gone, I'm here and everything's expensive and I'm crying. (laughs) Like, you know what I mean? So, um, so I I think it helped. So you do produce music now as well as songwriting. Yeah. Did you know how to produce or like start learning to produce before you went to school for music or was that something that you learned while you were at NYU? Um, I, so I had started producing in high school, and mm. I didn't realize that that's what I was doing. Um, I was cool. more just sitting there thinking, oh, man, you know, it would be cool is this this other melody line, but I don't want to sing it. I want it to be on an instrument. What right. instrument? Do I, mm-hmm. Like that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize that that's production. Um, <laughs> and, like, in fact, I – for some reason I thought it was engineering like I because you like so you know the like downbeat awards or downbeat magazine um they Mm -hmm. have their student awards and so I continued to submit my work for the downbeat student Mm -hmm. awards and always entered in engineering and happened to win twice and I was like no way accidentally (laughs) like snaps to that thank you but literally I, I should have been uh, I don't understand why and I it, anyway so that I was kind of learning how to record things and mic placement mm-hmm. and gain mm-hmm. staging uh, as well as production all during high school so that when I got to New York I I was able to sit down with professors and really like go in deep on that kind of stuff Hone and it, say yeah, yeah and what s- were you doing to teach yourself like were you watching videos or just kind of figuring things out as you go along um I so my uncle happens to be a musician as well. He's a photographer and a bassist. Sick. Yeah, so cool. he he was able to kind of walk me through, like, if you want to record music, you need a DAW, and here are the DAWs that I suggest. Mm-hmm. And, like, based on the stuff that you do, you should get logic and that kind of mm-hmm. thing. So it was a lot of, like, he he set up the foundation for me, and then I would sit there for hours and hours just making mistakes over and over until yep, I learned same. how to do things correctly. Best way to so, learn. That's I know, way. right? It's it's amazing because then you feel I don't know. I when somebody explains how to do something to me, I don't. I'm a super tactile learner. Yeah. 
I, I, it's so hard. I for don't it register to that. Stick. I just yeah, can't. yeah. It doesn't like, go through. <laughs> exactly. Like I feel like had I had like private tutors for every math class I've ever taken, I would have mm-hmm. been so much better at math because sitting there and watching somebody explain how to do something, I'm just like, yeah, I don't I'm know. With you on that one. Yeah. yeah. So it, it was mostly just fiddling around by myself until um, until I got a good grasp of things, and then if I had specific questions, then I would. Google it, look on YouTube, that kind Google of thing. Google it, yep. Mm-hmm. Well, speaking of, like, developing skills, you have a really, like, specific and interesting style, like, just to your music, which takes people a long time to develop. So what, or it can, I don't know, maybe you just popped out the womb like this. <laughs> but what, <laughs> what was the process like for you developing your style and how has it changed throughout your years doing music? Um, oh, my gosh. That's a great question because that is something that like it can evolve over time too Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um and that and that I feel like depends greatly on who you're hanging out with and the rooms that you're writing in um I I don't know I feel like in some ways my style has remained consistent at least lyrically Mm -hmm. um I do a lot of the I want to paint a picture for you so here's like I'm going to describe the room I'm in and then Mm -hmm. I'm going to sum it all up with a chorus um yeah I I tend to stick to that sort of style lyrically but musically uh, it keeps changing and it's like I don't know it's it's confusing because some of my favorite music is, you know, Sufjan Stevens, but then also Sophie or mm-hmm. Bjork or mm-hmm. I, I and and I had such a like aggressive disdain for pop music for <laughs> such a long time. Like I had I had private lessons at NYU and for the mm-hmm. first three years, my teacher was Phil Goldston. And mm-hmm. I remember sitting there crying in his office because he was trying to get me to adhere to a pop structure for my song and he was like I don't understand why you're being emotional right now like what's going on in your head and I'm like I don't want to be a pop artist (laughs) he was like I don't think you understand what pop is is the thing and like I I'm not trying to fit you into like a a Katy Perry sort of pop. I'm, I'm like, he was more steering me towards a Julia Michaels kind of pop, um, yeah. which it took me a long time to learn that, that it's, I don't know, the, the umbrella of pop is very broad. And yeah. there are a lot of artists yeah. that fit under it. You just have to find the ones you like. A lot of people have that, like you said, I don't know, you said like rage towards pop or something. I don't know. Yeah. But a, a lot of people have that. And, I feel like, I mean, I'm someone who I grew, have grown up listening to a lot of different music, but fully listening to like Disney Channel like songs, like, like, like the most pop, pop, like you can. Yeah. And so I've been like, oh, I like, like, I like pop and I like other stuff too. But the, what pop like means whenever people are like, oh, I hate pop. I'm like, what? Like, doesn't that just mean popular? And like, it has this whole, there's so much that goes under it. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. so I'm totally for like doing stuff that's crazy and doing stuff that's outside the box but I don't know there's so many people that are just like oh I hate I can't be pop I'd rather die like I because <laughs> there, there's also so many hybrids too that's yeah they're really awesome about pop music like I call myself alternative pop and then there's mm-hmm. like you know hip-hop 
pop as well. Indie pop. Yep. You know, indie pop. I would even categorize Frank Ocean as pop music. Like, yeah. it, it's yeah. such a broad word that you can't really just outwardly say pop music sucks. It like, sucks. what do you like? Country? Sorry. I'm sorry <laughs> I've offended you, sir. <laughs> That's so funny. So you went to school for songwriting at NYU. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like you approach writing music differently before and after going, or do you kind of approach it the same way? Hmm. What wisdom has Phil given you? (laughs) (laughs) Um, That's a good question because it's so hard. Actually, weirdly enough, last night I was looking for an old logic session because mm-hmm. I've gone through a bunch of my old music um during during Love this beautiful that. quarantine right um <laughs> and gone you know what maybe I'll revisit some of my old stuff and really try to like refresh it put it in a new mm-hmm. like use the tools that I've learned since mm-hmm. I've written this song and whatever and I stumbled upon this like really old folder of lyrics that I'd archived mm-hmm. cool a gem and I know right I was Treasure like chef. oh Uh, Yeah. And I was looking at it and some of it is from my time at MOU and some of it was like old, like freshman year of high school songs Mm -hmm. and like so cringy and just, (laughs) oh, bless your heart. You tried. And I'm trying to think of like, what was my process for that? I, I think to some extent it was a lot of stream of consciousness mm-hmm. I, I would sit there yeah because you know sometimes sometimes you'll go around the house and you'll start singing random words and Definitely. you don't yeah. know why and it doesn't make any sense but then at a certain point it gets so stuck in your head that you're like oh okay it's, like, it's good. like I'm vibing <laughs> this is good <laughs> So I I think that was kind of what my process was then. And to a certain extent, I have kept that. Mm -hmm. I I do still write down weird stream of consciousness thoughts um, and and bring them up later. And even if they don't end up in a song verbatim, they're at least a jumping off point. Mm -hmm. Um, I think the main thing that NYU has taught me is how to edit myself. Yeah, that's important though. Yeah. It really is. I, think that's a hard thing I never to used really to edit hard. songs. I used to be like, it's done, it's one and done. Like, yep. I can't change it. That's the process, guys. It's art. Listen, it's fine. <laughs> that's the process. <laughs> I think, but, you know what? Yeah. That's a good point because I think that's where, where, like, when I got really upset in Phil's office, I think that's where that was coming from was I, I had written a song from such a, like, raw place. Right. And mm-hmm. I was like, no, this is the song. And can't it should be, be perceived this way. <laughs> yeah. And he was like, Tiger, my final say. I hear you, but, like, I understand that this song is really personal for you and it means a lot to you, but I are you writing this for you or are you writing this for an audience? That's such yeah. an, that's such a good distinction. I feel like I didn't make that distinction until I started co-writing. I because like, yeah. then I was like, well, you ca- already kind of have a mini audience in a room, yeah, and so mm-hmm. it puts in your head like, oh, this isn't just for me anymore. But mm-hmm. sometimes, sometimes still now, like if I'm like feeling really emotional like I need like you said a stream of consciousness type writing thing just by myself mm-hmm. I will take pieces of that and put them in songs that I actually do something with but that is usually more like free form like poetry music than like it is like <laughs> oh something you could go and give to the world in like a nice on a nice clean platter 100 yeah. percent the yeah. other uh, conflict that I, or not conflict, but the other tricky thing that I'd 
hadn't had much experience with is writing for another artist. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And being in a room with an artist and writing a song for them and having just met them like a day before or whatever or like only met them once and trying to figure out, okay, what's their voice? How Mm -hmm. are they going to say this? I know what I want to say, but they might not agree with it. Like, yep. (laughs) That's really hard, too. That's oh, my gosh. And that that you do that a lot, like writing for other artists. I've been doing it more lately. Mm -hmm. um, And it it took me a second to figure out how to do that, because initially I'd go, no, this line's clever and it like fits perfectly in this little package of a song. I think it's great. And then it's like, well, it's not. It's not. Yeah. Sit down. Um, so it took me a long time to learn, like, no, 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 you need to actually just sit and listen for a second and figure out how to maybe become more of a therapist. I hate to say that because it feels like it's kind of being a little deduction-y, but it's kind of true. Yeah. Yeah. Like kind of just ask questions, I think is, is how I've learned how to do it. I feel like sometimes with co-writing, if you're not, like, the artist, like, it's not your song, sometimes you're shaping their ideas, and sometimes I've found you're really, like, a filter. It's really, like, Mm. it's their story, and you are, like, okay, this line, like, this sentiment could connect to a wider audience, or, like, this line could, and it's just, like, you're sifting through what they have, which is hard, like, when you're also, like, an artist yourself. Yeah, but I want to say something else. (laughs) Right. And you also don't want to, like, I've I've had artists tell me really, really personal things. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. and you don't want to take away the gravity of what they've just told you, the gravity Mm -hmm. and the importance of it by then going, okay, so we should say it like this. Like, it's it's hard to figure out how you navigate, like, going in and out of friend mode versus well let's let's write something about it mode you know yeah it's definitely a balance that's so interesting yeah Yeah, it's hard it's really hard okay so you have performed at and been involved in some cool like women in music events like the women that rock galentine's day show and stuff like that so have you found communities of women in music that feel empowering and how important is it for you to have spaces like that that center around women in music? Um, that's a great question. Uh, you know, I feel like I've started to to feel like I'm more firmly in a, a solid community of women mm-hmm. because I, it, it took me a minute to get out of a competitive mindset yeah, that's another that, hard thing to do. Jeez, yeah. we're covering everything oh, yeah. here. Mm-hmm. That was <laughs> that was my big hang up for a long time. Was I was just like I, well, I I want that girl's career, so I don't like I mm-hmm. I I have to stay secretive and hold my cards close to my chest and mm-hmm. like just keep going down my own path. And it's like no, that's not how you do that. Mm-hmm. You befriend the girl whose career you want and you learn from her Mm -hmm, and you mm -hmm. bring her close to you you make her your collaborator you become her friend like that that's the only way that that we can build numbers of women in music is to stick close to each other and help each other whenever possible it's nobody's out for your job like (laughs) nobody's out for your job based on your gender either like there are so many humans on this planet it's all fine like you got your own slice of the pie don't worry about it you have to like retrain your brain to think that 
there's space for everyone. Like there's room for everyone to be successful mm-hmm. and have the career that they want to have in music. Absolutely. And we obviously want to see more women in music. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, it's also important to remember that like your skill set is specific to you and your personality. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. like everybody's got a different thing that they do. So that's fine. You you fit in your niche and they fit in theirs. Nobody's coming for you. It's all yeah. good. <laughs> yep. Um but yeah, it's it's been it's been really really nice to get to meet a bunch of the women who work in this industry and mm-hmm. and collaborate with them. Um, I've been making a point of like taking on production projects with, mm-hmm. you know, freshmen in college who are girls who yeah. I just I'm like, I don't want you to go work with a dude and potentially have I mean this is okay this is not all men obviously <laughs> don't but talk like, to men <laughs> do not talk to men no I just like I I would rather if this is the first time they're working with a producer I'd rather mm-hmm. it be a really positive empowering experience for you know mm-hmm. a girl to come in and work with me and feel like they were truly listened to that is um, so great yeah I well I I mean I've worked with Luckily, I'm I'm now working with all men who are exactly like that, who mm-hmm. will sit and they'll my favorite thing about my now boyfriend. But before we started dating, one of the things that always stuck out to me was as soon as I had a comment or a suggestion on a song we were working on. Um, he's a producer and a mix engineer. He cool. would stop mm-hmm. what he was doing and he would turn his entire body to look at uh, me. Look at that. A good like, listener. I, exactly like that kind of stuff is huge yeah because, it really is. Uh, you know you're okay I'm giving you my undivided attention because you're saying something important instead of being like I'm gonna keep working which I'm guilty of the latter of the, <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm gonna keep working you say ideas at me and I'll toss them in as we go and it's like well you might not understand the nuance of what I'm saying here yeah yeah um so like I've I've, I've found a really great community of men who are also fantastic at communicating and listening and everything but I think it's it's really important that you know there's a, a great foundation of women you can reach out to so. yeah definitely <laughs> T. well god I got asked a question that was similar to that um once and, and somebody messaged me I don't remember who it was but they messaged me and they're like oh god it was a man and he was like have I have I done have I upset you are you okay am I one of the men and I was like oh my god no No. we wouldn't even be speaking if you were like it's okay yeah like I wasn't talking about you yeah so I feel like it's important to not bash all men yeah no there's a listener he heard it and he was like wait did I yeah I know listener there you go very sweet (laughs) yeah i think don't bash all men and also stick with your sisters like bring them up absolutely okay we get we did it we fixed the world (laughs) we fixed sexism in the music industry (laughs) in one podcast episode wow (laughs) there we go look at us go welcome guys (laughs) that's so funny that's brilliant so you were on Good Morning America. You played cello in the Modern Loneliness performance. Mm-hmm. Do you do a lot of performances in New York where you are part of like a band versus like doing solo like shows? And how do you approach? Do you approach them differently, like mindset wise? And what are some differences in them? Um, I 
don't play very many of my own shows Hmm. and Hmm. part of that is just crazy anxiety like I am so (laughs) type a and hyper organized and paranoid about everything that booking shows is just even every musician I work with for my shows is brilliant and Mm -hmm. they don't need me to hold their hand at all and for some reason I'm like okay here's an email with 40 bullet points that you need to know and they're like we already know tiger this is more confusing and i'm like no you're getting it anyway but um i so i don't play that many of my own shows and i i do Mm -hmm. play a lot more shows where i'm somebody's backing vocalist or i'm their cellist um and i i don't know i always treat like every show is the same i if you are playing a so far gig in a basement in like i don't know guanas or something and there are maybe six people in the audience mm-hmm. i'm still gonna take your gig as seriously as a good morning america yeah. or mm-hmm. whatever i it's you know you're you're performing somebody's baby like Mm -hmm. yeah their music is so important to them that it should be as important to you as their side man yeah and um it it's it's hard it's hard to to put that level of energy into every single gig that you do but I think it's absolutely worth it um, like show up with I, there are some exceptions to the like show up with the music memorized thing like if it's <laughs> pages up, upon pages of music like mm-hmm. then talk to them and see if you can work something out but like <laughs> at least have such like at least have a really good grasp of mm-hmm. what's going on um, and be on time and look your best because you're representing them uh, yeah, I think I think it's just as a as a side man, you you have to take that music as seriously as you would take your own. So, yeah. So a bit about your Instagram. It's super aesthetically cohesive and you have some really cool visuals for promotion. What's the process like as far as creating visuals and like marketing your music once it's out? Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, I love how many people are asking me about my Instagram. <laughs> it looks so good. Thank you. Yeah, it really does. Oh, that's Top so pool. nice. <laughs> um, gosh, I don't know, because I've I've sort of, I guess I've always kind of leaned towards trying to make everything have a color scheme at the very least. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I have like a little bit of synesthesia, so when I listen back just to my own songs, just a smidge. Yeah. Well, because you know, some people like they'll listen to a song and then they'll paint this like elaborate. Yeah, abstract I'm really painting. jealous of those people. Yeah, honestly, same. <laughs> me too. I never see it that clearly. I see like broad strokes colors. I I never mm-hmm. actually like see it to the point of going, oh, I have to put this on a canvas, which I wish I did because it's so cool. Yeah, but um, <laughs> I think so too. But for a long time. I um I was kind of going off of what color a song was before I would put it mm-hmm. out and I would mm-hmm. create album art based on that. Um and in fact, I actually one of the albums I put out in high school, I wrote out all of the song titles and then I put what color it was next to it and then I organized the track huh. listing based on that. color. Um, which was cool, and really only I knew what was going on. So it was like a fine. fade of colors, you mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so cool. Um, it was, I, it, I don't really do that anymore. I also don't super put out albums anymore. I just put out singles. But, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, I was trying to stick with the 
with, with that kind of aspect. But then I realized that it was quite all over the place. And I, I wanted to sort of center it around like, okay, but what are my favorite colors? Right. What are the, mm-hmm. the colors that I continue to come back to um, time and time again? And then it's going to be jarring for me, but I'm going to have to figure out how to bring together some artwork for singles that's just going to not match the color I see in my head when I listen to it and it's gonna have to be okay. <laughs> um, it's gonna be difficult because it must be done. well because I put out I put out a single um in December called Bloodhound and when I listen mm-hmm. to that song it's blue gray and black okay. and oh, wow. I made the artwork that and I don't like it when I look at oh, it really? on Spotify I'm like Ugh, this doesn't look right to me and mm. it bought like it, it doesn't match the flow of everything else I put out. And in fact, somebody took me aside and like a man, a diff, a, not my manager, another <laughs> manager was like, Tiger, um, we need to talk about your cohesiveness with your singles. And I was like, oh. a random manager <laughs> intervened. <laughs> he's, he's a really good friend of mine now. But at the time I was like, ah, I think, uh, shush. But it's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I, I boiled it down to like, my favorite colors mm-hmm. obviously pinks and purples are Same. the ones that I come <laughs> back to time and time again um have recently introduced lime green I don't know why cool. I I have always liked lime green but that's new to me as an artist mm-hmm. um as part of like my visual representation and so I try to at least make sure that when I'm taking photos it's gonna mesh with that color scheme Mm -hmm. and I feel terrible because sometimes I'll work with photographers who like they they just wanted to shoot for fun Mm -hmm. and we'll take a bunch of pictures that are like blue and red and I'm like well (laughs) like um (laughs) actually I'll put put it on my story yeah you're like sorry guys this just doesn't mix well yeah and and the thing is is photographers are actually really great and they'll recognize that and they'll Mm -hmm. go yeah Mm -hmm. word like it'll look great in my portfolio and if you share it at some point on something else totally awesome right yeah Um, but yeah I I don't know lately because of quarantine like my last single I had to (laughs) I had my boyfriend's sister's friend Mm -hmm. take the photos for me (laughs) um so we kind of worked with what we had on that one but Mm -hmm. luckily my boyfriend's Mm -hmm. sister has a purple room um cool so I sat in there with my lime green sweater and it still kind of kind of worked. You know, aesthetics, <laughs> aesthetics are really hard. Like getting, are so having hard. a nice Instagram feed, I got to say, is the biggest <laughs> challenge in my life. Honestly, it's one it's of them. It's a lot harder than I thought it would be. Yeah. yeah. It's really hard. I was like, hard. this is cool. Like, I, I'm sure I could do this. And then I was like, I cannot do this. I personally really don't difficult. even have an aesthetic Instagram. I mean, the podcast account, we work really hard to make it look nice. But like mine, I'm like, I just can't. I don't even know where to begin with this. It's such a mess. Like, there's no coming back from that. It's hard. And I have a lot of pictures where I'm like, ugh, this is a really nice photo mm-hmm. and for so many reasons. But for fuck's sake, I wore yellow that day. Uh. Like, you know what I mean? Open like, a like, private. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'd suddenly have like six Instagram accounts and be like, well, this one's for all the days I wore yellow. Your Finsta is just all professional photos of you looking really, really great. But wrong yes. color. Couldn't, post, couldn't put this on the main because I'm wearing yellow. <laughs> Sorry, I wore blue that, that day. 100 so funny. That would actually kind of be hilarious. That would be I, really I, hilarious. I, I both I hate it, it and I love it. So, 
but yeah i had a i had a realization in quarantine where i was like because because we were in malvern pennsylvania with my boyfriend's family mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we didn't know how long we were going to be there. So I kind of only packed like a week's worth of clothes. Mm. And okay. um, we were there for about two months. No way. Did you go shopping? Nice. <laughs> I did not go shopping. Because that was the other thing is like there's nothing to do in Malvern really. Like there's right. there's nothing to do. And we couldn't go to a store anyway. Mm-hmm. And, and, and anytime I tried to do online shopping, everywhere was sold out of my sizes. Mm-hmm. Like, everything that I tried to find was either sold out or wouldn't arrive in like eight weeks and we had no idea how long we were going to be right so I just kind of stuck to the same like three or four outfits every day Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and it really made me realize like oh I could be a minimalist yeah like I could have a (laughs) uniform and I could get rid of any article of clothing that doesn't match my my personal and artistic Uh aesthetic and if I buy something new the requirements are it's got to be white purple lime green or pink (laughs) that's interesting though yeah like you know it would make life a lot easier to just always be like photo ready like Steve Jobs just same outfit every day 100 percent. it kind of makes sense though i totally get that because i'm like i have so many clothes but i only wear like a very small fraction of them regularly and i'm like i could just get rid of all this other stuff Mm -hmm. and stop buying new stuff that's kind of the harder part but also what complicates that is like when you are a side man as well then artists have outfits that they want you to wear they're like Mm. oh could you wear all black and i'm like oh god damn it like, like actually I, I can't I, sorry i don't have that in my wardrobe like i don't so i have like my sideman wardrobe of clothes that's like mm-hmm. okay here's black if i'm playing cello mm-hmm. which means like pants or whatever and here's black if i'm just singing which is you know a dress and mm-hmm. so i have that but it's frustrating because it does take up like a good chunk of my closet mm-hmm. and i'm like oh i would love nothing more than to just only have gear in my bedroom like yep. clean out as much as I can yep. only have, have like a secret gear. compartment right yeah you know what I should get those like rolling drawers to put under my bed yeah yeah that would be nice yep. that'd be really Rocks nice my space very Marie Kondo three outfits I, oh my god <laughs> I did so much purging after I watched that show I cannot tell you I like and I literally sat there thanking each item of clothing <laughs> I was like, thank you for your service. Put it to the side. Like, oh, still sparks joy. Okay. That's oh, so nope. funny. Thank you for your service. Like, it, it was a whole ordeal for me. That's so funny. I think I maybe need to watch that. <laughs> it, it's it's like it reshapes your brain a little bit. Mm-hmm. It was I, I, what I'm doing tonight. Highly recommend. Marie Kondo's different. <laughs> wow. Well, that's a beautiful note to end on. Wow. Yeah, that was awesome. Yay, thank you so much for being on. This is yeah, amazing. Thank you. Thank you it was for a really interesting me. episode. Great convo. Oh, you had great questions too. Oh my god, my brain. <laughs> thank you. My whole brain is on and I love it. <laughs> We're back with Song of the Week and Woman of the Week. My Song of the Week is Okay, no, my Song of the Week is a little random. It's Thinking of You by Katy Perry. <laughs> it's a great one. It's not random, it's just kind of old. But I've I've really been vibing with some Katy Perry. Like it it reminds me of summer, and the song is a little like I feel like she used to be rockier. 
Mm-hmm. Like, obviously, I kissed a girl was like, it's not like rock. I'm going to be like, Katy Perry is like a rock star. I mean, actually, never mind. F that. Katy Perry is a rock star. <laughs> Katy, you heard it here first. You heard it here first. She's the new wave of rock. And, um, <laughs> no, but thinking of you just has, like, we've been talking about in writing, like, oh, do you need, like, a chorus chorus, like a bang in chorus? And I don't think you always do. I'm a fan of vibe songs. I'm a fan of choruses that kind of bring the energy down and it comes back. But thinking of you has a bang in chorus. It's just like it's building, it's building, it's building. And then it's like, when I'm with him. Mm -hmm. And that's been very cathartic for me recently. (laughs) (laughs) Remember when um, Tiger was saying that they were like standing on different sides of the room, like yelling, fuck my horoscope. That's all just the same way that that's therapeutic is you like belting out. Yeah. Yeah. I was actually dancing to it right before I got on the Zoom call for this podcast. And I was just like jumping, like, when I'm with you, I am thinking. No, when I'm with him, whoops. Thinking of you. (laughs) Anyway, so yeah, that's my song of the week. Sweet. My song of the week is Magic in the Hamptons. No way. (laughs) (laughs) Because I, it just, that song is making me feel like happiness. It is. We are. We're going to be quarantined together Yep, on our little writing retreat. And so yep. I'm fully just like, I've been playing that song so many times today because I'm like, it feels like happiness. And jo- Honestly, like that song is it. joy. <laughs> that song is literally joy. I know when we're dancing, handshakes in the Hampton. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah, podcast listeners, Songwriting Saves the World is going, well, we're not going on vacation. We will still be updating the podcast and weekly. fully be writing we'll and kind of be working we'll kind of be working because we're going on a quarantine writing retreat but it also feels like vacation because i miss my friends <laughs> they got that the corona test and we're going to long island yes it's gonna be so much fun it's gonna be so much fun okay i love that song of the week my woman of the week is sir chloe have i i haven't mm. picked her yet right no not yet okay so sir chloe is an artist I discovered this year who she makes kind of like edgy, grungy pop. Maybe it'd be considered rock, honestly. Like we were talking about with Tiger about the umbrella term of pop. Mm-hmm. I'm not quite sure where these genre lines are drawn. <laughs> Sometimes I say things. I'm like, this is a punk song. And someone's like, you don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> Like, it's fully pop. And then I'm like, sorry, I'm using the words that I feel (laughs) are descriptive of this. Anyway, it's edgy. It's punky, rocky, poppy-ish. And she has a very, like, sad girl mood voice that I really vibe with. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, so she's just, yeah, she's a great artist. And I really like her song, um, Walk You Home. Go check her out, Sir Chloe. My woman of the week this week is Lennon Stella. Oh, cool. I like Lennon Stella. Stella. Me too. She's a singer-songwriter. She just released an album not too long ago, April 24th. She released an album called Oh, Anika has the dates. She has the dates. I have my Spotify open. (laughs) Which now I'm like, I feel bad for, you know, having Spotify because I'm fully subscribed to the student discount one. But I, like, had a full, like, (laughs) circle back moment because 
Mm-hmm. I actually used to listen to some of Len and Stella's songs. To the cup song? Would, yeah. Well, not the <laughs> cup song, actually. Well, not the cup song. I That's actually the only one I didn't listen to. Okay. It was, you were edgy, whatever. Well, actually, it. no. I only listened to, like, a couple, but there was one that I loved, mm-hmm. and it was called I Love, and it was, like, this song that she, like, wrote with her sister. Aww. And when I was in, I want to say, like, middle school or, like, in high school at some point, this girl that I used to play volleyball with was like, oh, my gosh, we should, like, do a cover of this song and, like, you could do the little sister's part and I'll do, like, the older sister. And I didn't know that that was Len and Stella. (laughs) So she did a video for Older Than I Am, I think it's called. Is Mm -hmm. that what it's called? Yeah, I think that's what it's called. Yeah, that's what it's called. And in the vi- I watched the video and I see the thing of her and her sister sitting down and it's like Lennon and Maisie and my jaw dropped. I was like, wait. No way. So full I was like, this circle, is her? you've been listening to her forever. Yeah. And I love her. I love her voice. I love her style of writing. I think she's super talented and she toured with J.P. Sachs, which is cool because I also love him. We love J.P. Sachs. And yeah, Lennon Stella is my woman of the week. I just think she's dope. I love when you find out that someone's music has actually been infiltrating your life way longer than you thought it was. And you're like, wow, there's no such thing as free will. Because (laughs) there's no such thing as free will. I don't know if I've said this on the podcast, the Lynn Miranda, Lynn Manuel Miranda thing. Yeah. And you were like, like, obviously, I love Hamilton. I loved Hamilton in high school. I loved In the Heights in middle school. And then I was like, he was on Electric Company that I watched when I was in elementary school like it was this i don't know if any of these listeners have um watched it but it was a great kid show it went like electric company yo and some something else i don't remember <laughs> like when when Mom miranda shaped my life yeah and he had this song called silent g is a ninja because the show was like teaching you how to read and so he was on the show before he had like in the heights or anything and mm-hmm. he did these like letter these like reading raps and it was like silent g's a ninja silent g's a ninja and he fully taught me how to read <laughs> and also was apparently a early musical influence so anyway it's funny it's when that cool. happens okay guys if you liked what you heard and you're listening on spotify you can follow the podcast and download the podcast actually that little um down arrow button and if you're listening and you liked what you heard if you liked what you heard and you're listening on <laughs> itunes you can follow and like it and leave a five-star review and a comment and if you are listening on soundcloud and you liked it you can follow and like the episode and share it with your friends if you want to keep up with what we're doing, you can go ahead and follow us on Instagram at mm-hmm. Songwriting Saves the World, as well uh, as Twitter, which is at Song Saves World because they don't want us to have our full name. Yep. And follow. also on Facebook, you can go ahead and click like on that page, and we follow. update that weekly. So you know, stay up to date. And if you really, 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 really liked you heard, and I mean like really, really, like really, you liked really it. liked it. You can go support us on our Patreon, which is just Songwriting Saves the World as well. And for $4 a month, you get extra content from us, including special messages from guests and extra questions that we don't keep in the episode. And they're song super critiques. interesting. Yeah, they're super interesting. And song critiques from things that listeners send in and a Songwriting Saves the World laptop sticker. So, super, super cool. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next week. See you next week. Even in the dark, I see your face.